everybody. Welcome to another episode of God is Not a Theory with Ken Fish. I'm your host, Grant Pemberton. And on today's episode, man, we've got uh, a great time for us. Uh, we're joined here by some returning uh, wonderful friends, Eric Metaxas and uh, Mike Bickle. Ken, why don't you get us started? Why are we here? What's going on? There's some exciting things coming. Yeah, I'm really excited to welcome uh, both Eric Metaxas and Mike Bickle back to our show uh, today we're doing a, a, a three-man show, if you will, and Eric and I will be jointly interviewing Mike Bickle about the upcoming Isaiah 62 fast. You're going to hear all about it, but the, uh, the executive summary is it's going to be May 7 to May 28, and already more than 2 million people have signed up. This is a critical time in the history of Israel, and by extension, the history of the world, since Israel is key to world revival. And so with that, uh, we're going to get going and Mike, why don't you tell us uh, about, about the origin of the Isaiah 62 fast? What motivated this? Well, let me start off and just give the real simple what the message is. And then I want to yep. say how to participate in it. And then I want to say, but it's your show, so you, <laughs> you direct me, why Isaiah 62? Then I want to say a minute or two, <clears throat> or two on each time. Why is it so urgent right now? And then how did this thing come to pass? So do you mind if I go in that order? Yep. Now, now Ken and I were talking just the other day, and Eric, we were emoting over you. We think you are amazing. That's how this happened. We said, Eric, 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 well, let's get him on the line then. So there you go. I'm embarrassed, Mike. I'm embarrassed because I know the truth. There from Texas, but uh, you guys are real sweet. Listen, uh, it's why I love you. It's why you're friends. And and even if this were not tremendously important, uh, I anytime I can talk uh, to Ken Fish or to you, Mike Bickle, it, it's just a joy, right? But what you are talking about, and you're going to tell us now, is actually tremendously important. Uh, and I I will try to bring it into context, but. Just give us, before I try to contextualize it for my audience, uh, tell us, uh, give us the history of, of, you know, give us the short history first, and then we can kind of go, dilate. But well, let, let me say God what it is. You hear about Israel and about what we're talking about, a 21-day fast. It's kind of a big deal. So there's a lot. So give us, a, give us no the overview. natural version of your connection with Israel and how central why this is central to what's uh, what's coming up on this fast. Well, what this call is, real simple, the one-liner call, it's a calling a million people, although we're far past that number right now, but that's the a million people to pray one hour a day for 21 days for Israel in May. That's it again. Let me say it again. Calling a million people to pray one hour a day for 21 days. So it's a global Isaiah 62 is what we're the term we're using. And why are we saying Isaiah 62? Because Isaiah 62 is one of the most powerful prophetic passages in the whole Bible about the glory of God on Jerusalem. It's 12 verses, and every single line of the verse is about the glory of God on the city of Jerusalem. And most believers are not even not aware of Isaiah 62, which is okay. But at the end of this fast, I'm anticipating about 5 million people participating at some level by the numbers that are happening right now. At the end of this fast, May 7 to 20, uh, 28, 21 days, 
these 5 million people are going to be familiar with Isaiah 62. And it's one of the most glorious chapters of the entire Bible on Israel and praying for Israel. So let me say that this Isaiah 62 website, this is an important point. It's not an IHOP website. That's really important. It's really a directory of people from all around the world. We have thousands of ministries now that are involved in this. They're putting their information on this website Isaiah 62, so people in their region can find them because some millions of people, I don't know the number, will look at this website just because of the groundswell, and we don't want them connecting with IHOP. We want them okay, connecting with- I want to be with- clear again, if anybody's like, you know, listening on my program, IHOP is the International House of Prayer. Not pancakes. Not pancakes. International House. So IHOP, we're talking about International House of Prayer, Kansas City- headed up by Mike Bickle for many, many years. Now, Mike, what is the website for this 21-day fast to pray, fast and pray for Israel? What is the website? And I have it on my screen. It's Isaiah62fast.com or just Isaiah62.com. That's good enough. And you will get right to, uh, to, to that. And it's a list of all the ministries that are saying we're committed to pray one hour a day for 21 days with at least two or three people, not like a thousand people. And they don't might not even pray together in a room. They might do it virtually on their phone in three different cars. It doesn't matter. Or they might join another web stream. There's thousands of web streams that are tapping into this and they just pray with someone else. Okay. It's- now before Ken Fish gets the opportunity to ask you the question, I'll ask you the question. Why? Why are you amassing people to pray and fast for Israel. The website is Isaiah62fast.com, Isaiah62fast.com. But the question, many people are wondering, why? Well, the uh, Israel, unquestionably, although most will agree with this, will be in their greatest crisis in May, in May and June of this year, of their 75-year history since becoming a nation in 1948. That's a big statement. Right. So that, that right there, I didn't know that. I was talking to my friend Malachi O'Brien, who was talking to you that day. He kind of gave me a little bit of this. When I was talking to Ken Fish before you came on the call, he was giving me a little bit of this. But most people are not aware of this. The mainstream media is not covering this. So help us explain this dramatic statement you just made. The reason you're calling for 21 days of fasting and prayer for Israel is because Israel is facing its greatest crisis in the 75 years of its existence. That is not a small statement. It's almost an unbelievable statement. So help us explain what are we missing? Why aren't we hearing about this? Because that's a dramatic, dramatic statement. Right. Well, first of all, this is going to surprise you. The story unfolds how God set up this fast without me knowing about the crisis. So me knowing about the crisis, it's like, oh, my goodness. I'm talking to some leaders that have been in Jerusalem for many, many years. The guys in their 60s, they know the Bible, they know history, they're sound uh, people in their estimation, many of them actually. And I was told a month ago when I was talking about this fast for Israel, this, this top leader said, do you realize, this is in March, do you realize probably in April or May, there's going to be a civil war in Israel? This is like the middle of March. I said, What? I said that's okay. not so possible. To, to review for those listening, God called you to do this fast for Israel before you knew 
before that we knew was in an existential crisis. Before, so, yes, that's the bizarre part. Do you and, want to tell us first? Tell us about the existential crisis. Okay. When you say something like uh, Israel's potentially in a civil war, that sounds like hyperbole. I, I surely we would have been hearing about this in the news. How, how can this be? And that's exactly what I told this guy in the middle of March. Then I went on YouTube. And it's all over you till I said, oh, my goodness, I wouldn't look at the right channels. I mean, many uh, five and 10 and 15 minute, you know, little sound bites are telling the story from the secular point of view, from the spiritual point of view. I mean, believers, non-believers, extreme left, extreme right. All these positions are universally saying, I don't mean every single person, but every one of those positions, many are saying a civil war is probably going to happen. April or May. Now they're saying probably May or June. I couldn't believe it. And it's because, and as I have watched about 20 uh, uh, YouTube clips that are about five or 10 minutes a piece. So now, Eric, I want you to know I am now an expert on Israel policy after 10 YouTube videos, just so you guys know. But I mean, I don't, I get it a little bit, two or three levels down, but there's about 10 levels. But I know that they're saying it on every one of the different positions. I go, oh my goodness. And in one sentence, it's called the judicial reform. You put your judicial reform on YouTube and you'll get 100 videos from every position you want, but they'll all conclude probably a civil war won't be avoided in May or June. It might be, but probably won't. Men of God are saying it. Atheists are saying it. Conservatives are saying it. Left liberals are saying it. I went, what? So I would just encourage the audience, go check out YouTube, judicial reform. I mean, I could explain it for 10 minutes, but I don't want to take the time. It's so easy to find out the information. Well, look, but 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 I still want to be clear when you use terms like civil war, you don't mean dramatic division. You mean no, civil war? You mean people I'm with guns hearing, fighting no, other people no. with guns? It's I'm not cool. hearing the people. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm only watching YouTubes of experts from all the positions saying it's probably going to happen. And, and even Netanyahu on three or four of these YouTubes in the last week or two, he said, we must avoid a civil war. He's using the word civil war with his mouth. And I'm going, what on earth? Is this that real? Go on YouTube for an hour or two and you will get plenty of information. But, I, again, I can still, explain it in 10 minutes. But you still have to give us the short version of when you say judicial reform, what is the what is the pinch point here? What is the issue? Okay. Why, what do we mean by judicial reform and why could it lead okay. to civil I can say it real quick. There's 120 uh, members in the Knesset, like the U.S. Senate. We got 100. They got 120. You have to have 51% of the 120 to have a, a government coalition to be in power. If you lose 51%. If you go down to 49, then they have another vote and they get another, you know, it's like England. They don't wait every four years like America. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. you lose the, the uh, coalition, then you lose your government. Got it. And so they've come back to Netanyahu. I think this is his third term. And the uh, 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 kind of intense religious people, I'll call them the, I'll call them the rabbi guys. <laughs> That's not the right word. The, the real conservative Orthodox Jews. I don't know how many are in the 120, but they went to Netanyahu and said, we demand these things to happen to change the Supreme Court, or we're going to back out of your government and you're not going to be the prime minister anymore. And so I don't know how many of those, I'm guessing five or 10 of them, 
Because Netanyahu, who has 64, he needs 61 votes. He's got 64. If they pull out, he's no longer prime minister. There's several other camps like that. I won't develop it more. And Mike, I want to ask a clarifying question here that I think you've already implied it. But just as Eric is doing, I want to make it very clear. When you say civil war, you mean a hot war, like bullets and shooting. You don't mean like a standoff where everybody hates each other, like in American politics right now. I'm saying that's what the, I'm not an expert. I'm, you go on YouTube, that's they're saying civil war, and they mean this is going to destroy our nation. So, All right, but Mike, Mike, but again, so I think of... Um, uh, I think of Netanyahu as conservative, but you're right. saying that ultra conservative, ultra orthodox Jewish leaders are making some demands of him that he doesn't seem to be willing to go along with. So suddenly he's cast in the role of not as conservative. Um, is that what we're talking about? It's it's a little unclear. Now, now, Mike, you've been muted, Mike Bickle, since you're the one that we want to hear from, the idea of you being <laughs> muted is uh, is is problematic. Meanwhile, I'm going to talk to Ken Fish. Hey, Ken, while Mike is muted, we're working on that. Yeah, you know sure. what the issue is. I still am not clear on what the issue is in, in Israel. I mean, I know it's important. Otherwise, Mike wouldn't be saying this. But what, what do you know of it? Well, I've been talking with friends over there about this, and I, I don't want to take Mike's thunder, but I will say there is there's a dynamic going on in Israeli society, which has probably been there for a while, but under the surface, it's now come to the surface. And it's somewhat analogous to what we've seen in the last three years in America with the rise of BLM and uh, kind of the woke position. And when Netanyahu is talking about reforming their judiciary, there's an extreme reaction going on to that, thus the term judicial reform. I'm still not clear. I'll be honest. I'm still not clear. Uh, yeah. When we're talking about judicial reform, somebody, somebody has to make this clearer because uh, my audience is already tuning out. Like, well, I don't get it. We know there's a crisis. We take I took take uh, your word for it and I take Mike's word for it. But I don't understand the, the nature of the crisis. I do know that people should go to Isaiah62fast.com, uh, Isaiah62fast.com, because we know that for 21 days, people are going to be fasting and praying for Israel. Uh, but that was planned before we knew about the crisis. So this, so it's obvious that God's hand is in this. Whenever Mike Bickle is involved in something, you always find out later, oh, yes, God's hand was in this, uh, calling Mike to do something. So God is the one uh, who seems to be behind this. Otherwise, we wouldn't be wasting our time talking about it. But, but Ken, do, do you understand at all? Can you say more about what it what it is? Yeah. So, so I think people who follow Israeli politics know that Netanyahu was he, he had a term, but it ended, and he was he was under a bit of a taint for corruption. He was in being invested yes. for it, and yes. many people were saying, "Well, you know, all politicians are corrupt, etc." There was there was some discussion about whether he would be removed from office. Right. He's now returned to power. Right. But with that return, uh, let's just say, I think, I think he wants to reform in his mind, the government um, along the lines of his own dictates. Um, 
at the same time that you have this internal division going on over what's going to happen with Israel, from as Israel, there are external threats that are rising because it is widely understood at this point that Iran is going to secure a nuclear weapon sometime in May. And they've already gone on record as saying that they intend to use it against Israel. They've said this many times in many places. And the the only thing I would say at this point, because I think Mike now is actually about ready to rejoin. Yeah, I don't want to take his thunder, but I will say this. Um, The last time someone did not listen to those kinds of threats against the Jewish people, we got the Holocaust. Wait, one of my friends wrote a book on this. One of my good friends wrote a book all on this subject. It's called Bonhoeffer. Uh, Yes, (laughs) I recommend that book. It might be long, but it's nonetheless fascinating and true. I still, I want a couple of questions answered. First of all, I want you to tell us, if you can succinctly, why Israel is on the verge of civil war. Can you yes. explain yes, it? Yes, you can. I can. Maybe it doesn't matter, but if you can. I can in 60 seconds, and you can find it on YouTube real fast, real quick. Said that there's, 10 15, times. there's 15 Supreme Courts of Israel. The 15 are different from America because the 15 pick each other. The government, the Knesset does not pick them. They pick each other and they're all liberals according to what the YouTube is saying. And so the the liberals are picking the liberals and they're having all this agenda stuff that's the woke agenda forced into law and the Knesset can't stop them. So the conservative leaders and religious said, we have to stop the Supreme Court. They're ruining our school systems. They're corrupting our society with the woke America stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But these 15 won't give up power. So so, uh, Netanyahu says, we're going to do something different. I want the Knesset to have a role in picking you. And they're saying, not a chance. And he goes, I want the Knesset. If we have 51% of our votes, we can stop a legislation you're putting in place, like some of this woke stuff. And they said, no, we're not yielding on those two points. So they're saying Netanyahu's destroying democracy. Okay, hold on. So the ultra-Orthodox rabbis are with Netanyahu on this, not against him. No, no, they're they're the ones telling him, Netanyahu, you better double down because they're the ones troubled by this. We're right. pulling out of your government if you don't make them change. But they're saying, we're not going to change Netanyahu. We're going to tell the earth you're destroying democracy and you're a tyrant. And Netanyahu's team is saying, no, you're destroying democracy and you're this is anarchy, what you're doing. It's very similar to America, but they really have power. And 500,000 people a night have been... Uh, protesting against Netanyahu's government, though I believe Netanyahu has more people on his side in the nation. But but Mike, again, I want to be clear. The ultra-Orthodox rabbis are with Netanyahu. Yes. And wanting to make... Demanding he makes a stand. I think they're demanding according to the YouTube channels. Okay. So, but again, to clarify for, for my patient audience and Ken's patient audience, this is dramatically similar to what's happening in America today. We have... Uh, woke madness that has been unleashed and it's come to a head in Israel. And so this is an existential crisis for Israel because it's being forced. Uh, So that's one thing. Now, uh, Ken also brings up, Ken Fish just brought up the issue while you were uh, muted, that Iran uh, is on the verge of having the nuclear weapon. uh, I think they will probably have it in May. 
I think probably going to have it in May. Yes. I, and I think Obama is physically going to hand them the weapon just for, you know, for symbolism. So so they're going to finally get what they've been wanting to get for years to kill every Jew on the planet. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Who are we to judge? Right. Just because Hitler got that, uh, you know, had that idea. But so we're talking about something so sick and so evil. And so let me ask you, can you add to what you think is going to happen? Because when we're talking about Iran uh, finally getting what they've wanted and what foolish anti-American globalists like Obama have paved the way for them to get, if they do get that, what do you suppose Israel's response is? My response, I mean, my guess would be that it would be the same thing that happened decades ago. Uh, I think Netanyahu was in power and he unilaterally decided to bomb the places that were, were doing this. This is like World War Three in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. One more thing on the judicial reform for just 30 seconds. The difference between America and Israel is America, the the elected officials, the president picks the Supreme Court. In Israel, the Supreme Court picks the Supreme Court. So it's deadlocked with 15 liberals, and they're not going to let anybody get in there, any democratic process. And they have power over the Knesset to put the legislation, the woke legislation through the school systems and everywhere else. That's why it's untenable. And, it's ex- and they're telling lies to the nation about uh, how liberal and they're doing it for human rights, which means abortion rights and gay rights. That's what they well, mean look, by I human mean, rights. Very similar. It's just technically yes. different than what's going on in the United States. And I don't even understand what's going on in the United States. But the point is, we, we, we get it. Yeah. Okay. Nonetheless, back to World War Three. Yes. Ron uh, having the possibility of, you know, killing uh, every Jew in Israel uh, or every Jew on the planet. They would do that if they could. We know that. So my question is, isn't part of this conversation, part of why you're calling for a 20-day fast uh, for Israel, again, the website is isaiah62fast.com, is because we know that if Netanyahu is in power, he will not allow Iran to have the ability to kill every Jew in Israel. So he's going to do something preemptively. Who wouldn't? Well, I think he has to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that he has an option. Right. But the question is, isn't that what's on the table? Isn't that what we're talking about here? Yeah, this but very the, dramatic. the fact is that God has stirred up several million Gentile intercessors without most of them knowing anything about this or knowing very little about it. That's what's more remarkable about it for the first time in human history. I'm guessing up to 5 million people in May are going to be praying for Israel. It's never happened in history before. My question is, God, why did you do this? And the Lord says, wait, and you'll see in, in May why this was so critical for me to set this ball, you know, to push these dominoes down to get this thing going. So we don't know what's going to happen, but it's big enough to where never in history have millions of Gentiles prayed for Israel for 21 days. It's never happened in history. Okay. And again, so what meaneth thou, Lord? What meaneth thou this? Before, before I give Ken a chance to ask you the obvious question. Um, Before you knew about the potential civil war and judicial reform, before you knew about Israel on the verge of of getting the bomb to wipe out uh, Israel, before you knew about this, you say God called you to call for this uh, fasting and prayer in the month of May. Can you give us the logistics on how it is that God called you to do this before you knew why? Yes. It'll take me three or four minutes to tell the story because it's a remarkable story. Okay, good. 
40 years ago, 1983, I was 27 years old. I'm 67 now. I had a young adult church, 500 of us in May of 1983. And in a very dramatic way, I won't tell the story. He called us to a 21-day fast. We spent many hours a day in a prayer room, our young adult congregation. It was pretty rough, pretty boring, pretty hard. But about five or six supernatural things happened in May 1983. I'm not going to go into them. But the point is, for 40 years, the my ministry here in Kansas City with the IHOP, Kansas the International Council of Prayer, for the last 24, I pastored 16 and IHOP for 24. That's the 40 years. All 40 years, I've said May 83 was the most significant three weeks in my ministry by far because of these five or six supernatural things. So that's point one. So now it's January this year, three day, three months ago. My leadership team said, hey, Mike, we're coming up to the 40-year anniversary of that 21-day fast in May 83. Let's do it again. And I said, actually, honestly, I said, no. <laughs> I don't want to do it again. They said, no, it's amazing. Let's do it again. I go, well, not let's. Most of you were not born 40 years ago. So you've not, it, was, it, was, it was rough. But you said these five or six supernatural things happened. They did. But that doesn't mean we can fast again. Literally, my leadership team prevailed on me. In January, I said, okay, okay, okay. Then about three weeks later, we're talking. And I have what I call a Balaam's donkey moment. I'm sure you guys had these before, where I prophesied and did not know I was prophesying. A little bit of a negative attitude. And I said, okay, we're going to do this 21-day fast. This is February. In May. The same dates, May 7th and 28th. I couldn't believe I said it. I go, why don't we spend all 24 hours a day for three weeks in a row on praying for Israel? And the minute I said that, I tried to grab it because I never thought such a thought. And our leadership team said, that's God. I go, no, wait a second. That would be so boring. No. They said, no, Mike, that was because we pray here, we got 600 full-time staff. They serve here 50 hours a week. So it's real, I mean, it's a real workforce. So we have 84 two-hour prayer meetings every single week led by worship teams. I'm right here in our prayer room. You can see the studio right behind me. So we have a 10-member worship team 84 times a week for 24 years, actually. But I said, we're going to do this for three weeks in a row 252 two-hour prayer meetings. I said, I want to take that back. And our leadership team said, no, that was God. I said, okay, two or three weeks go past. Now it's the first of March. A leaders, a couple of international leaders are in town. They said, hey, Mike, why don't you call your friends across the world to join you on this 21-day fast to commemorate this 40 years ago that you did it? Because we were kind of doing it out of sentimentality. I, I didn't even want to do it. And I told these leaders, I go, no, my friends don't want to do it. Honestly, if they called a commemorative 40 years later, let's go on a 21-day fast, I'd say, go do it. Give us the report afterwards. I'm not going to do this. I go, nobody would do it. And these leaders, the international leaders said, da 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 And anyway, the Lord convinced through a number of them, we're doing it. And I said, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Okay. Okay. So I'm already didn't want to fast, didn't want to do the Israel thing and didn't want to call the leadership team. That's why, I mean, this was so serendipitous prophetically. Well, so I called our, our leadership team together about a hundred of the 600, our leadership, like two days after this, I go, guys, it's an emergency meeting. 
I've been convinced by these guys, we need to call other people in this. I just don't know this, this is going to work. Well, I, I want to say two things. Uh, I want you to tell the story of those five things that happened 40 years ago during those three weeks in 1983, so that people listening can get some context. But before that, when I was uh, with you at IHOP, uh, Ken and I were there two years ago, two summers ago, and you told the story, uh, the story, you, you kind of gave your end times exegesis of how the Christians, the Jesus believers were going to stick their necks out for Israel and for the yes. Jews. And now that would be a powerful witness to Jews around the world to say, this is weird. We are uh, having our, you know, the world wants to wipe us out. And it's these born again Christians, these serious Jesus people sticking their necks out more than anybody else. You know, three weeks of fasting and prayer for Israel at a time when anybody in Israel who's paying attention understands they're facing an existential crisis. They're facing being wiped out. They're facing the whole world turning against them. And a bunch of Jesus freaks uh, led by Mike Bickle are, are fasting and praying for it. So it, it, it seems fascinating to me in terms of the witness that this will have for Jews that, that we uh, I think that's right. Yeah. So I, I want to finish this one little point because it, it is key to the story. So I get my leadership team together, the hundred of them, two or three days after these leaders convinced me to invite you guys, the nation. So I went, I don't know. I don't, I would not do it in reverse. So I get my team together, hundred of them. I go, if we're going to do this, you've got to make this more important, the most important three weeks of your ministry ever, because this is going to surpass what we did in May, 1983. This will be the three most significant weeks of my life. And their eyes get real big. And they go, okay, cool. That sounds neat. I said, no, you don't understand. Here's the call. Our 50 departments at IHOP, we got about 50 departments of service and ministry and all kinds of things. I want to shut down everything almost. Their eyes are getting big. I'm talking to 100 leaders. You know, we got 600 on staff, but the 100 are there. They go, and what's that mean? I said, if this is real and you want me to call people, I want it to be real to you. And they said, okay, what's that mean? I said, I'm asking you to shut down all the ministries. And I want you, because they serve 50 hours a week. It's a full-time job to be 12 hours a day in the prayer room. Their eyes got so big. Normally they're in the prayer room two hours or four hours. Well, I said for 21 days. I said, if you will do that, I'll call my friends in the nations. Out of 600 people, 300 said, they took a deep breath. They said, we'll do it. I said, no, this has got to be real. So they, they said, yes. Well, some guy in our leadership meeting of those hundred was at the back of the room with a little dinky camera. He was filming it. We don't film our leadership meetings. We have staff meetings. We just talk. He put it on YouTube the next day without telling me. I mean, I knew I saw the camera, but I forgot about him because I was a little bit nervous calling them to 12. Hours. Are you kidding me? We've never done anything like this. I mean, we do Why two hours. Call of them to 12 hours. That seems uh, dramatic to me. It seems like overkill in the natural. I don't get that. Did God tell you to say that? No, I just said it. I said, if we're going to call the nations to this because it's the most important thing we've ever done, let's do it then. 
let's do it. You don't have to tell me if you want to. And I said six to 12 hours. And I said, but aiming at 12 and I was, if a hundred would have done it, I would have been sold 300 said, we'll do it, but we've never done it before. So it's a kind of a big, we're kind of sighing at it, but we're going to do it. So I said, my gosh, there'll probably be 500 people in this prayer room, 24 hours a day. And so anyway, this guy captured it, put it on YouTube. Now here's the last point. 10 days later, the young adults came to me. They said, 50,000 people have viewed that ugly little video of you talking to the leaders. I go, they did? I, I didn't even know it was on YouTube until a couple of days afterwards. 50,000, and they were responding, we're in, we're in, we're in. We had a, a what would be about 300,000 people at the 10-day mark. I said, what? I go, from this day forward, which is March 17th, 10 days after March 10th when it started, this is no longer an IHOP thing. Forget IHOP. And we're starting a new website. It's not an IHOP website. Isaiah 62. And I've shared this vision, this statement on Zoom calls, many Zoom calls, like 100 leaders with two and three million in their downline, a number of those. Portugal, 100 leaders, 7 million in their downline. Uh, Latin America, Spanish, 100 leaders, 5 million in their downline. Talking to Korea, to Russia, to Chinese leaders, to Romania earlier today, all over Singapore, New England, I mean, uh, Australia, New Zealand, thousands of leaders behind uh, maybe 50 or 100 on the Zoom call. And they're saying, we're calling all of our people to one hour a day. I said, this is not an IHOP thing. Then I find out there's a crisis in Israel. And so when you started, you saw the crisis and called. I go, well, when our team said, let's fast in May, I said, no. Then our team said, then I said, let's do it for Israel. Then I took the words back and my team said, no, that was God. Then the leader said, call the nations. I said, no, I didn't. This was a Balaam donkey on my, in my world. Okay, so I let, did not mean to do this. So let's be clear. 40 years ago, when God did these series of miracles in your life in May, 1983, he, the Lord foresaw in May of 1983. Uh, I mean, he saw before the beginning of time, but the point is that he made clear in May 40 years ago, uh, what was going to be happening 40 years in the future. And that's, that's what's that's, blowing our mind in the last couple of weeks. We go, oh my gosh. It's not a small anniversary. It's not the 37th anniversary. It's the 40th anniversary. In, in the few minutes uh, that we have left, is it possible for you, Mike, uh, to give Ken's audience and my audience uh, the, the short version of what happened in those three weeks, 40 years ago? Uh, it's a little hard, but I'll say, I'll, I'll tell you one of the five of the six. And I have all this, not that your audience needs to go do this, but I got, I told the story hundreds of times over 40 years. I know so the IHOP world has heard it over and over and right. over. And I've got it on my website, all the stories. It's called the prophetic history of IHOP. And right. I have 10 one hour presentations of just pure stories of supernatural. Oh, things. no, I know there, there's no doubt about it. But just for our audiences, many of whom are unfamiliar oh. with you or IHOP, uh, the, the your IHOP. Um, <laughs> can you give us any short version yes. of this? Yes, so it's May 83. The Lord speaks audibly. You're going to have 24 7 prayer with singers and musicians 40 years ago. I don't audibly. like that. Hold on. Audibly. Audibly, Mike Bickle in 1983, you didn't uh, 
believe in a God who spoke audibly in this kind of prophetic way in 1983. Am I getting that wrong? Well, technically I did. I just didn't ever think it would be real. I mean, on paper I did, but not in functionality I did. Okay, so no. suddenly in 1983, audibly, you hear the voice of God. Not a small thing. And no, God it's, you. it's a major story. And, and, I, and my statement was no, but we, because it was an audible voice of God, we put the sign on the wall, 24-7 prayer with singers and musicians. So for 16 years that I pastored, our church grew to three, 4,000. The visitors would see the sign on the wall and they go, what's that? And for 16 years, I said, I don't even know. And 16 years later, which was 24 years ago, we started IHOP. I had no idea how to do this. And I was, and then the Lord told us <laughs> to Bob Jones. He told me back in May 83, he said, all over Asia, he sold smartphones. He hold goes, on, hold, gonna... on, hold on. A lot of people don't know who Bob Jones is. Uh, I know it's hard for you to believe because you're Mike Bickle. You live in a world where nobody doesn't know who Bob Jones is. <laughs> Bob Jones was a kind of a kooky guy, except he was a genuine prophet of God. Right. And we don't have time to explain that right now. But he comes right. into your world. He blows in in 1983. In 1983 spring of 83. You don't know what to make of this weird yes. uh, figure. But he yes. comes into your life and tells you, what sounds like crazy stuff. He tells you that God said to him that people all over the world are going to have televisions in their hands, little tiny unplugged TV, TV sets, particularly okay. all over Asia and the rice pad. 40 unplugged years ago. Yes. Many, many years before the advent of anything like an iPhone sounds crazy. But in 1983, in these weeks that we're talking about 40 years ago, Bob Jones says this to you. So keep going. Yeah. He says it publicly many times to many people. We thought he was crazy. He said, and in that time, there will be a hundred million intercessors, Gentile intercessors for Israel. Said, That's insane. I thought the church was Israel. I didn't ever pray for Israel. I didn't want to do 24 hour prayer. And he said, no, they will be all over Asia with unplugged TV sets in their hands, seeing singers and musicians in Kansas city. Then it went crazier than that. He goes, God's going to put you on Harry S. Truman's property. Because I said, what? It was like, we're in the rich part of town. Harry S. Truman was from Kansas City, but he's the blue-collar part of town. He goes, God's going to move this rich congregation to the blue-collar part of town. He's going to give you Harry S. Truman's property. I said, why do I? I don't even know this guy, Bob Jones. I go, why would I care about Harry S. Truman? He said, Harry S. Truman was a political intercessor for Israel, but you're going to be spiritual intercessors for Israel with singers and musicians on unplugged TV sets around the world watching you. I said, why? I don't, what are you talking about? 25 years later, I was given Harry S. Truman's property as a gift, a free gift. We have 160 acres. It's probably worth $20 million, I guess. I haven't checked. Right there on major interstates. There's three interstates. It's an incredible location given to me as a free gift, like Bob Jones said, 25 years after he told me. And not only did we get it as a free gift, it's right next to IHOP. It said we got it 50 years to the day that Truman sold that property to this Jewish family. We got it from the Jewish family 50 years to the day, January 27th. This is so rich. Uh, that it's uh, it's difficult because I know, I know, that's why I said I, I don't know if I can do this real quick. I've had the no, 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 but it's good. 
Um, I've I had want to make one clarifying comment here, just so everybody is 100% clear. Mike said I was given the Truman property. He's saying I was given, but it actually is not Mike Bickle's personal property. Oh, it oh, is. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I have nothing to do with it. Just to I, be clear, was given. I don't think anybody that, was worried that it was Mike's I don't property. want to bog down. But the point is that uh, you. IHOP, your ministry was given this property, which was Harry Truman's property. Anybody who knows the story, not a lot of people do. Harry Truman was a Cyrus. Harry yes. Truman oversaw from the vantage point of the presidency of the United States, oversaw the creation of the modern state of Israel 75 years ago. So this is very rich. This is very tough to take in the layers, the layers, the levels. Yeah, yes. And as we like to say, when we're talking about prophetic, big prophetic events, you can't make this stuff up. No, it's this insane. It's of events that nobody could orchestrate except God. Bob, Bob Jones said these things publicly to hundreds of people, thousands of people collectively over many, many years. He wouldn't stop saying it. I said, Bob, I don't care about Harriet Truman. I don't want to pray for Israel. And I don't want 24 hour prayer with singers and musicians. I, and that stupid thing about unplugged TV sets. And here's the next thing he said. He goes, when this happens, I was 27. He goes, you'll be one of the oldest men in this movement. I said, what movement? He goes, you'll see, you'll be an old man. And your grandchildren will be in their strength when it happens. We had a two-year-old and a four-year-old son. I'm 27. I go, my grandchildren? They're 19 and 20 right now. He goes, and at that time, he goes, they'll have an abortion pill. They'll sell over the counter and you won't need a doctor. And this the first time I met him, I go, sir, do you know what an abortion is? He goes, of course I do. I go, you can't have an abortion with a pill. He goes, you will when you're an old man. You'll be, you'll see when you're an older man, he goes, not only that, he said, the homosexuals will come out of the closets and they'll parade in the streets with the support of governments around the world. I said, we got a gay parade in San Francisco. Why our government didn't care. He goes, the governments of the world will stand in support of gay parades all around the world. I said, you're a crazy man. There's 10 more things like that. Every single one of them happened. And it's 40 years later. And we've got 24-hour prayer with, you know, for 24 years, I go, oh, my goodness, I'm not a singer or musician. I wouldn't get to do this. And now the Israel thing is happening, and we got the Israel with the Truman property. And because he said they were political intercessors for Israel at Truman, you will be spiritual intercessors with singers connected all around the world through these unplugged TV sets. And our web stream is all around the world. we got millions of people who watch our web stream. They watch this prayer meeting. I mean, these prayer rooms day in and day out. It's like, and then the... January, hey, let's have a fast, you know, to commemorate our 40 years. No. Then let's pray for Israel. Then I go, no, let's not really. Then, hey, tell the leaders of the nations. No. Then I tell my staff. They go, we're in. We'll do it 12 hours a day. I said, that's extreme. And then 50,000 people watch it in 10 days. And I said, this ain't about us. We're not touching this thing, man. We're on that website. We're going to be one of the links, one of the hubs with a thousand others because this is not us anymore. And so uh, that's well, look, how this whole thing happened. I just want to, I want to thank uh, my friend Ken Fish for sucking me into this maelstrom <laughs> because this <laughs> is uh, obviously important. Look, I mean, just to sum up, because um, you know, I let's let's sum up here. Let's sum up here. Good. Uh, Israel is in a gigantic crisis on two fronts, internally 
and externally. This is new. Israel has weathered a lot of storms, but we're talking about right now is that within Israel, the woke forces, the globalist antichrist forces, since we don't have time and I, I can't say it anymore, uh, any more, uh, any, any more completely than that. So let's just sum up that the woke loony antichrist uh, forces within Israel uh, are trying to destroy Israel. We have Netanyahu and others trying to fight against that. It has come to a head. It hasn't come to a head in the United States. We're still in the middle. Of, we're still, you know, but we. it's not like it's come to some pinch point, some trigger point, but it has in Israel. And that's clear. And you didn't know that 40 years ago. And you didn't know that a few months ago. I didn't know four weeks ago. Four, I found out four weeks ago. Right. You didn't know that. <laughs> also, we know from without Iran is on the verge of getting what Obama and AOC have fondly hoped Iran could get something to murder Jews. Isn't that probably sweet? in May? They'll have a nuclear weapon the first time in history. They'll have it in May, probably or June at the latest. Right. And so uh, uh, everybody who voted for Obama and who hates Trump, you're part of this, folks. You, you can you can repent or you can just ride this to hell because this is as evil as it gets wiping out Israel. And so now in history, here we are. Here we are. It's happening. So so this is all happening. So if you don't know anything but that, that gives you a reason to want to fast and pray for Israel. So the website is Isaiah 62, Isaiah 62 fast.com, Isaiah 62 fast.com. This is a 21 day fast, May 7th to May 28th. Pray one hour a day for 21 days is what we're asking. So, well, people can find out everything at Isaiah62fast.com. But, uh, Mike, uh, this is undeniably dramatic and important. No matter how you slice it, if people just got 20% of what we've been talking about, this is news. Most of us, myself included, we're not really aware of, of any of this stuff. You weren't aware of it four weeks ago. Not four weeks ago. Aware of it, number of, you weren't aware of it a few months ago when you're looking at this 40 uh, year anniversary of what happened uh, in May 1983. So it's kind of complicated. And we ask people to have patience to try to, because it is complicated, but it's undeniably uh, important. Uh, I think for now, probably we ought to just say uh, enough. Let's put a pin in it. Uh, and continue this conversation another time because we have time between now uh, and May 7th and we have time uh, to talk about this. But I, I wanted and, and I, and I want to thank you, Ken, for help, helping me to see the opportunity to get the word out that we have to pray for Israel and God has orchestrated this. He orchestrated it 40 years ago. He's been orchestrating it recently. May 7th and May 28th. The website is Isaiah62fast.com. Unless uh, either of you feels an urgency to share something briefly, I would say uh, I do. 30 seconds. Go ahead. You and your friend down there, Ken, with with uh, uh, Francis Chan and Andy Bird, Chris Reed, we were all together in Kansas City for two weeks together. And it struck us how significant your book on Bonhoeffer was 
And you said, I thought it meant this and this, and we talked about it in depth. It is an eschatological statement from heaven, the Bonhoeffer book. And I remember you were going, I, I, I didn't grasp it. And I want to say for such a time as this, that book is critical. It's not just a history book that moves you. It's well-written. I'm not trying to flatter you, but it really is well-written, even though you went to Yale and all that. <laughs> I, didn't I, want to that right. I didn't get my talent at Yale, in case you're wondering. Okay. I got my talent from my, <laughs> from my parents passed down through DNA, but thank you. But that's an eschatolog. I mean, that's crazy. That's a big word. A prophetic declaration from heaven. That book and the courage of Bonhoeffer. I highly recommend people to read it. We went through it all, a whole bunch of us. It's thick, but it was worth it. Well, I want to tell you, I'll reiterate, there is no doubt in my mind today that God called me to write that book for his prophetic purposes. Yes. I had no idea. This is, I, I cannot, people never believe you, but I'm just telling you, I, just like you said, I had no idea about, you know, this stuff, we plan all that. Like this fast, no, this fast took me by surprise. Like your book took you by surprise. I had no idea. When you do something and then only later you look back and you go, oh, I guess God really is sovereign. I guess God really does stuff. And he kind of plants these, these seeds. I had zero clue when I was writing that book. It was one of the most difficult, unpleasant experiences of my life. It was incredible, uh, incredibly stressful. But I see now why God called me to write the book on Bonhoeffer and a million copies were sold a million. That's ridiculous in the natural. I, I can't tell you how many boats I've, I've bought with that money. Uh, no, the <laughs> fact of the matter is that you know, in all seriousness, uh, it, it, it was, um, it made it possible for us to just to survive because, you know, trying to be a writer and stuff, but it, it, I mean, I wrote the book in 2008 and I didn't have any idea ever when I was writing it that we would be here now all these years later. So so thank you for saying that. I do think God uh, clearly called me to write that book for such a time as this. And my new book, which is called Letter to the American Church, is kind of like the, okay, here's where we are now. Uh, what what about the American Church? Where is the American no, Church? A great book. And how about the book, If You Can Keep It? Not so bad of a book. Well, I, didn't, so okay, I didn't mean to end by plugging my books. That's really kind of you. But I, I just think that I, the, the, the larger point is none of us is doing stuff just to do stuff. This is not about our careers. This is about what God has ordained and called into being. And uh, there's some people that are Christians. They don't really get this. Uh, and I'm here to say, folks, you need to get it because it's true. Not because yes. it's my point of view or it's something this is these things are really dramatic. And if you connect any of the dots, you can't help but at least be a little shocked, a little pushed back. You think uh, doesn't seem like a coincidence. So anyway, I, I just think that we're, we're, we're seeing the fulfillment of um, of some prophecies. We're seeing something. The, the, the bottom line is uh, it's important to get this message out. So I want to tell people again, Isaiah62fast.com. Send this uh, video uh, to anyone you can, because there are lots and lots of people that they, they don't have the beginning of a clue of 95% of what we just talked about. And it's very important that uh, those who can get a clue, those who have ears to hear, would hear these things. Uh, Ken, if there's anything you want to add, otherwise I'm just going to... Um, yeah, I'll just make, I'll make one uh, kind of closing remark here. Um, Obviously, a lot of these are things that could be polarizing, depending on where you stand in the political spectrum. 
I think <clears throat> these safety and security of a nation, uh, look at look at how people have gotten stirred up over Ukraine. The safety and security of a nation, the uh, the avoidance of whole scale war, which could escalate beyond just one single bomb, uh, the integrity of a process, a government. Um, these are all things that should be on the hearts of Christians, because if nothing else, uh, the Bible says that we should pray for all those in authority that we may leave, lead quiet and peaceable lives. Well, we're, we are doing this to stand in the gap. That's literally what intercession is. We are doing this to stand in the gap on behalf of our Jewish brothers and sisters who have, who are not only under threat right now, but who have been under threat severely in the 20th century and, uh, and in other times in the past. So set your politics aside, regardless of whether you think uh, good, bad, or otherwise about Israel. Many of you probably do think positively, but I'm, I'm intelligent enough to know that there are people who may not fully buy in. But just for the sake of lives saved, for the sake of safety, for the sake of people being able to live quiet and peaceable lives, join us in this fast because it really is an eschatological thing that we are witnessing unfold, whether or not it's being displayed on CNN or comparable networks. This is your opportunity to join us. This is your opportunity to do something significant, to stand on the wall for others. That's why you should care about what we've shared today. Well, we've I got love a, you, Ken Fish. <laughs> I, I, I love both you guys, and I'm just grateful that we're able to kind of begin the conversation. We need to uh, talk more about this, but this will at least pique people's interest. Uh, folks, you ought, you owe it to yourself uh, to find out more about who Mike Bickle is, what IHOP is. IHOP obviously is International House of Prayer. You need to find out about what happened in uh, May of 1983. Uh, educate yourself if you want. I just think it's endlessly fascinating. Um, but at least go to Isaiah62fast.com, Isaiah62fast.com. Um, guys, I'm going to say goodbye, but this has been, uh, as I say, very rich, very important. Uh, I want to say praise the Lord that we got to do this. And thank you. Amen. Right. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us. Thank uh, you, Ken. It's not a theory. And for my special guests, Eric Metaxas and Mike Bickle. Grant, do you have anything you need to add before we sign off? No, just to restate, it's Isaiah, the number 62 for those that are listening. Okay. Uh, Fast.com. Good point. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll put a link from uh, orbisministries.org as well uh, on there uh, to thank that you, website. Thank you, Grant. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. But otherwise, we look forward to uh, continuing this discussion. Ken, I would love to record just all of the different prophetic scrolls that are going on uh, around all of this that's happening from, you know, Asbury to everything else. The Lord is moving. And I think we're going to be talking a lot more about that in the weeks to come. So we thank you all for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you right back here at the same time next week. recently updated the Orbis Ministries app with Ken's free teaching archive. You can click on the link in the description of this podcast to download today.